Next on PIJN News, Dr. Chaps reports on these important issues. The Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, are they really following Muhammad, the founder of Islam? We interview Bill Federer, the author of What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran, A History of Islam in the United States. Former Navy Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt took a stand to defend religious freedom by daring to pray publicly in Jesus' name. Now he helps you by reporting the news, discerning the spirits, and praying the scriptures. Would you pray with us? Here's Dr. Chaps. God bless you in Jesus' name. My name is Chaplain Gordon James Klingenschmidt, Dr. Chaps, and you're watching PIJN News. On this show, we like to do three things. We report the news, we discern the spirits, and we pray the scriptures in Jesus' name. On today's show, we have a live guest here in the studio, a frequent contributor to our program and a renowned Christian historian, Bill Federer. Mr. Federer, welcome to the program again. Oh, Chaps, great to be with you. So you were on our show about a year ago. You come through Colorado once in a while and we love to get you in the studio every chance we get. Uh, this year, however, it's been different. This new entity, which I think many of your books have predict predicted are coming. You know, you've talked about the caliphate, you've talked about uh, Muslim prophecy, but now ISIS is controlling what used to be American sort of turf in Iraq. Where did this come from? And, and can you give us your view of the current state of the uh, Islamic state of Iraq and Syria? Well, it's interesting that Muhammad is the DNA and he is the one that they're following. So Muhammad went from being a religious leader to a political leader, to a military leader. And Muhammad himself fought in 66 battles and raids. He even used the catapult when he attacked a city called Al-Taif. And when he was told the catapult was killing women and children, Muhammad's response was, they are among them. They got to be killed too. So suicide bombers and ISIS killers today say it's okay to kill innocent women and children to advance Islam because Muhammad did. And since he's the perfect Muslim, Muslims that want to be better Muslims, they want to be like him. And so we see a 1400 year history of Muslims being religious, political, and military. And so they conquer Egypt. People forget Egypt used to be Christian, evangelized by Mark that wrote the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, until Amir ibn al-As conquered it. Jerusalem and Syria used to be Christian. Matter of fact, the word Christian was first used in Syria until Caliph Umar conquered it. And then there used to be 250 Catholic dioceses along North Africa in the seventh century. They were all conquered by the Umayyad Muslims. And then they invaded Spain in the year 711 and 10 years conquered all of Spain because the Spaniards were fighting on foot with heavy metal swords. Muslims were on horseback with scimitar swords. And then they crossed the Pyrenees, conquered Southern France. They're finally stopped outside of Paris at the Battle of Tours in 732 AD, exactly 100 years after the death of Muhammad in 632 AD. They go from Arabia to Paris in 100 years in a military campaign. And they're setting up their ISIS, their Islamic State. Right, all so the way back. So this is not a new thing in, in world history. The, the idea of an Islamic state is actually what Muhammad started out to create in the first place. Right, and so the uh, term is caliphate. So after Muhammad died, the supreme, the supreme leader in Islam is called the caliph. And so the area he controls is the caliphate, and it's the Islamic state. And so it went from Arabia to, to Paris, and Pope Gregory puts out a plea that anybody that could fight should join Charles Martel the grandfather of Charlemagne. Charles Martel stops the Muslims at the Battle of Tours in 732 AD, and then it takes 700 years to drive the Muslims out of Spain. 
Meanwhile, they come around the other side of the Mediterranean and they attack Constantinople, which was the Roman capital after Constantine had moved the capital of Rome from Italy to where the Black Sea empties into the Mediterranean called the Bosporus or Constantinople. They attack several times, they're driven back, they keep attacking. Finally, they conquer it in the year 1450. Now, in the meantime, the Greeks and the Chaldean and the Syrian Christians had cried for help and the West sent help. It's called the Crusades. Nine major crusades in 200 years. The crusades, in an interesting way, created Europe. What do you mean created Europe? Well, the concept of Europe. So Europe was a bunch of kingdoms, and Islam would be successful in conquering by conquering one little kingdom at a time, another little kingdom. When they were in the desert, they'd conquer one little uh, outlying tent village, and then they would conquer another, another, and then they would finally surround a bigger city and a bigger one. And so the, the situation in Europe is the Muslims were invading into the eastern areas of Wallachia, Moldova, and nobody would come to the rescue of these other kingdoms because they didn't like their neighbors. But the Crusades got them to see the bigger picture. And so they would say, you know, I don't like the French, Spanish, English, but I'll work together with them against the Muslims because the Muslims want to kill us all. So the enemy of my enemy is my friend. All of a sudden Europe is united and they drive the Muslims out and that's the Crusades. Yeah, it was very similar to the 13 colonies in America didn't get along. They each had their own denomination, Virginia, Anglican, Massachusetts, Puritan, Rhode Island, Baptist, so forth. But when the revolution started, they saw the bigger picture and said, you know what, we got to work together to stop this King of England because he wants to take away all of our rights. And it created this concept called the United States. Well, the Crusades created the concept of Europe, of Christendom. Anyway, uh, then the Muslims continue to invade and they conquer Constantinople. And then they, and this ends the land trade routes to India and China. And that's when Columbus set sail looking for a sea route to India and China. So Columbus would have never set sail over here had it not been for the, the ISIS, the Islamic State, conquering all of Central Asia, cutting off the land routes to India and China. Interesting. So the conquering of Constantinople maybe caused the discovery of America indirectly as uh, Columbus reacted to that. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, uh, Bill Federer is going to explain more about uh, Muslim history and how they came to America. We'll be right back. This is PIJN News, defending your religious freedom. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Let's take a stand with Israel today. Would you sign a petition with me? Visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org. And sign a petition to defend Israel, who is America's closest ally, certainly in the Middle East, if not in the entire world. We remember watching Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu give that speech at the UN when he warned about the making of an Islamic nuclear bomb, and that is being forged in Iran. But what are we doing now? The USA is negotiating with the Europeans to allow Iran to continue to develop nuclear material. Well, that's not right. Do we really trust this man, Hassan Rouhani, the president of Iran, who is the former nuclear weapons chief? You don't think they're gonna build a nuclear bomb when his predecessor, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, literally threatened to wipe Israel off the map of history. Now, we need to take a stand. Why is American foreign policy to fund the Muslim Brotherhood? Let's sign a petition to stop that. Stop sending our taxpayer dollars to fund the Muslim Brotherhood. And let's also sign a petition to protect the Jewish homeland. Both of those are available today at our website, PrayInJesusName.org. And when you sign those petitions, we will fax them to Congress. Instead, the failed foreign policy of the Obama administration, starting with Hillary Clinton and now John Kerry, is pressuring Israel to give up Jerusalem. 
Why? We should never divide the eternal capital of Israel, which is Jerusalem, and we should move the American embassy there. But instead, now the Obama administration is unfreezing the Iranian bank accounts, sending $7 billion to them on the hope of empty promises that maybe they'll stop their nuclear program. Let's defend Israel. The Jewish people are our friends. They have a right to security in their homeland. Visit PrayInJesusName.org. Again, that's PrayInJesusName.org and sign that petition right now. Empowering you, the grassroots activist. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back and God bless you in Jesus' name. I'm joined again by Bill Federer. Bill, uh, hold up your book and talk about it and tell people how they can get that. Well, thank you. My book is What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran, A History of Islam in the United States. And it's available on my website, AmericanMinute.com. AmericanMinute.com. That's one of 20 different books that you've written. Uh, what are some of the other books that you've written? Uh, America's God and Country, Encyclopedia of Quotations. Uh, backfired, a nation born for religious tolerance no longer tolerates the religion of its founders. Another called Three Secular Reasons Why America Should Be Under God. Uh, do you like having rights the government can't take away? Well, then those rights need to come to you from a power higher than the government. And that's why the founder said the creator. Um, anyway, but the one on Islam is very popular. I do have a couple of DVDs on it as well. Islamic Conquest, Past and Present, and Political Islam's War on the West. You have a photographic memory. You're one of I would put you with David Barton as the two foremost Christian historians in America. So thank you for your contribution. Talk more, and, and you left off after the, con the conquering of Constantinople in uh, 1450, and then how that led to the unification of Europe and ultimately the discovery of America, because Columbus couldn't find a way to India through the, the Central Asia. East, so he had to go to the West. Uh, and then what happened? Well, the Greek scholars fled from Greece and what is today Turkey, it used to be the Byzantine Empire, because the Muslims were invading and destroying churches. And so they fled to Florence, Italy, and they brought with them their Greek art, architecture, and literature. And we call this reinterest in Greek stuff the Renaissance. So Islam was responsible for the Dark Ages when they conquered Egypt and held back the ships of Papyrus, and they were responsible for the Renaissance when they invaded into Greece and the Greek scholars fled to, to Europe. Then when they uh, fled, the Greek scholars also fled with their Greek New Testaments. And that's when the European scholars began to translate the Bible, not just to Latin, but all the way to Greek. And so in the late 1400s, early 1500s, they're translating the Bible into Greek, reinterest in the original meanings, and ultimately that inspired the Reformation. So in Well, the original Bible was, was written in Greek. So you're talking about a new Greek or? No, the the time of the Middle Ages, the European Bible was written in Latin. Nice. And uh, St. Jerome and so forth. And so they had gotten away from that. But when the Greek scholars fled because of the Muslim invasion, then it was this reinterest in the Greek New Testaments and, and um, so forth. So this uh, led to the Reformation in 1517 with Martin Luther. So the Bible kind of brought us out of the Dark Ages, not into the Dark Ages. It was really Islam that caused the Dark Ages. Yeah, Islam had economically destroyed the Roman economy. I mean, Italy traded with North Africa and the Middle East. All of a sudden, when the Muslims conquered North Africa and the Middle East, it, trade stopped. It's like if China ever, ever held back their ships full of uh, goods, all of our Walmart shelves would be empty. We'd have an economic crisis. Well, that's what happened in Rome. Um, and if they held back their all their cheap computer stuff, well, well, then we'd be in trouble. So we'll be, the writing instruments at that time was the papyrus reeds. Anyway, so 
the Reformation begins in 1517. In 1529, 100,000 Muslims surround Vienna, Austria. They're setting up their ISIS, their Islamic State, and they're conquering into Austria. And that's when Martin Luther says, the Turk is the rod of the wrath of the Lord our God. If the Turk's God, the devil, is not beaten first, there is reason to fear the Turk will not be so easy to beat. John Calvin said, I hear the sad condition of your Germany. The Turk again prepares to wage war with a larger force. And even John Wesley said, ever since the religion of Islam appeared in the world, espousers of it have been as wolves and tigers to all other nations. So as the Muslims invaded, uh, the uh, Catholic Holy Roman Emperor was Charles V of Spain. And he was faced with a double dilemma. Protestant Reformation on one hand, Muslim invasion on the other hand. So he decides to strike a deal with the Protestants. It's called the Peace of Augsburg of 1555. And this was the first treaty, treaty to recognize Protestants. And the attitude was, look, we may not agree on religion, but we got to work together to stop these Muslims so they want to kill us all. So Catholics and Protestants united, and did they form an army? How did they fight back? Uh, well, the princes decided that they would go ahead and work with the uh, goal of King Charles V to stop the Muslim invasion. It was successful. Uh, it did start a domino effect in Europe because the princes were allowed to believe what they want in their kingdoms. Some decided to believe different things. So L Germany and Sweden were Lutheran, Switzerland, Calvinist, Italy, uh, Spain, France, Austria, Poland, Romain Catholic, England was Anglican, Scotland, Presbyterian, Holland, Dutch, Reformed. And if you didn't believe, if you did not believe the way your king did, you were persecuted and you fled. And so the, there was this mass migration of people shifting around Europe as a result. Those were the ones that spilled over and founded colonies in America. Uh, when they founded the colonies, some interesting things, the pilgrims sent a shipload of beaver skins back to England in 1625 for trade, and a Turkish man of war captured it in the English Channel, took it to Morocco, sold the crew into slavery. Their Islamic State was stretching over the seas. They captured an entire Irish village around 1635, the stolen village of Baltimore, Ireland. They came up at night, killed a bunch, rounded up the whole rest of the town, took them to Morocco, sold them into slavery. They even captured 400 from Reykjavik, Iceland, took them to Morocco. They're setting up their Islamic state. So there were whole Catholic orders in Europe during the Middle Ages called the Trinitarians. The head of the order was called the Ransomer. They would collect alms and donations, go to North Africa, and try to ransom your friend back from a, who was captured from a Greek island or an Italian coast. There were whole stretches of Italy where there was not a woman of childbearing age for generations because the Muslim pirates would come up sort of like Boko Haram and grab the women and sail away. And so uh, when America broke from Britain, um, we saw a dynamic happen because the countries of Europe transitioned from going through this Catholic order to pay an annual tribute. So Sweden, England, Spain, France would pay millions of dollars equivalent a year to these Muslim pirates in exchange for those pirates leaving their country's ships alone. When America breaks from Britain, the Muslims say, well, you're not part of the British-English tribute payment anymore. Uh, you're your own country. We go, yeah. And they go, well, that means you need to pay up. <laughs> they began to capture our American ships, stick our crews in the dungeons of Algiers. We were paying 20% of our federal budget to these Muslim pirates. So the Marines sing this song from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. What happened around the time Thomas Jefferson was president? Well, uh, 300 of our American sailors were captured and held in the dungeons of Algiers. And, um, and so we, Jefferson was an ambassador before he became president, and he would write to John Adams saying, uh, you know, those poor sailors must think I forgot about them, but I don't want to be in a hurry to ransom them because this is the first time we're going to ransom. And whatever price we set, it's going to be the standard. And, and, uh, and so, you know, I don't want to be appear in an anxious hurry because I'll raise the price. And, um, but Jefferson gets to be the third president, and yes, he got a crown to figure out what's in this 
book that's making them hate us. I mean, so the, Jefferson actually met with an ambassador in France, and he asked him, what did we do to offend you? We're like a brand new country. What, I mean, and he says, the, the ambassador answered us that it was written in the laws of the prophet in their Quran that all nations who should not acknowledge Islam were sinners, and it was their right and duty to take them slaves. And if any Muslim, Muslim should die in the, in the fighting, they would immediately go to paradise. And uh, anyway, so this Islamic state, now it's stretching across the sea. Now they're ex demanding extortion. And Jefferson gets fed up, sends in our Navy and the Marines, as the anthem you mentioned. Uh, and, and they call them leathernecks. Why do they call them? Well, the Muslims kept striking at their necks. And so one of the admirals had his men wear these wide leather belts around their neck of hardened leather. So the Muslims would try to strike it and hit the, and um, so they got nicknamed Leathernecks. <laughs> and then when they won, they took the swords away from the, the Muslim soldiers. The Muslim soldiers were called Mamluks. They were slave soldiers. And that's why the Marine swords called the Mamluk. And um, anyway, so with the Muslims had their hands slapped, they went back. Whenever they suffered military defeats, they became peaceful for a while. And then they would begin to encroach out again. And so uh, it's interesting, after the Ottoman Empire fell, officially after World War I, uh, the Muslim world viewed itself as defeated. And they said, look, it's sort of like Japan after the bombing of Hiroshima, they felt like their God, their religion has let them down. In Islam, after World War I and the Ottoman Empire was, was div divvied up amongst the European powers, Islam felt that their, God, their religion had, had left them, let them down. So France took a part of the old Ottoman Empire, Lebanon and Syria. Britain took a part of the old Ottoman Empire, Egypt, Iraq, Palestine. They gave birth to Israel out of that. They wanted America to take a part of the old Ottoman Empire, Armenia. We said no. And the Muslims said, well, we, we want to stop these Armenians from going to these Europeans begging for help. What do, let's just kill them all. <laughs> and they killed a million and a half Armenian Christians between 1915 oh. and 1922. Marched them into the desert, marched them off a cliff, slit open the bellies of the pregnant women. This is horrible stuff, exactly what's going on today in Syria and Iraq. The Armenian genocide. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, just a few more minutes and Bill will wrap up World History of Islam and why it pertains to us in America. Giving you a megaphone in Washington, D.C. Dr. Chaps will be right back. Do you ever wonder how to discern your own thoughts from the thoughts that come to you from the Holy Spirit or angels or invisible demons? I'm Dr. Chaps and you've seen us talk about the gift of discerning of spirits. In fact, I wrote my PhD dissertation how to see the Holy Spirit, angels and demons. But now we have an exciting 17 part video Bible study on a four disc DVD set that you can get for your small group or your church. If you just visit PrayInJesusName.org and offer a suggested donation of $99 or call us toll free at 866-Obey-God, get this 17 part video series and for a limited time only, we'll throw in the book for free. Visit PrayInJesusName.org, get this important Bible study series for you and your church, or call us at 866-Obey-God right now. He is the intersection of church and state. Here is Dr. Chaps. Welcome back, I'm Dr. Chaps. We're joined for one more segment with my dear friend, Bill Federer. Welcome back to the program. Thank you, Chaps. So bring us home, wrap up world history. We already got to maybe the 1700s and, and what's happening in current history? Well, World War I ends. Matter of fact, it was Sir Lawrence of Arabia that organized the Arab Muslims to fight the Turkish Muslims. 
but the Turkish Ottoman Empire is gone. France takes a part of it. Britain takes a part of it. They wanted America to take a part. We said no. But the Muslim world viewed itself as defeated. This was their great empire gone. And so they saw that the British Empire had ruled the world for two centuries. And then America wins World War I, then World War II. And we have airplanes, telephones, televisions. They're still riding around on camels with mountains of useless sand. And they said, hey, the way to get ahead is the West. And so they would begin to westernize themselves, dress in business suits, send their kids to Western schools, teach English in their countries. It was moving in this direction until a few things happened. One, 1928, the Muslim Brotherhood was started. And the Muslim Brotherhood said, stop being friends with the West. We've got to get back to conquering the world for Allah. And they would target these secular leaders that wanted to be friends with the West. And the West would prop up these secular leaders and help them to get rid of these Muslim Brotherhood you know, people that were uh, trying to assassinate them. But then oil was discovered in 1938 in Arabia with California, Standard Oil Company of California. And within one generation, Arabia goes from the poorest Muslim country to the richest Muslim country. So the rest of the Muslim world said, why be like the West to be blessed? Let's be like Saudi Arabia. Let's get more fundamental. Look, Allah's blessing them. So we actually flipped the magnet, the electric magnet. We turned it on to draw the whole Muslim world. Instead of becoming more Western, we we made it so that they would become more fundamentalist Muslim. So we stopped supporting secular dictators, more or less, and we started supporting strong Islamic dictators. With the oil. And so Jimmy Carter pulls the rug out from the Shah of Iran. He loved America. I met his son. And uh, this time, the fundamentalist Ayatollah takes over Iran. And then the current president decides to uh, fire Mubarak, our ally in Egypt, and has the Muslim Brotherhood come in. And then our president decides he's going to take out Gaddafi, the leader of Libya. We were not at war with Libya. Libya had not declared war on us. Yet our president used our military to get rid of the leader of a nation. Why? So the Muslim Brotherhood could take over Libya. You're saying President Obama did this just a couple of years ago. Yes. And so the guns were being moved from Libya through Benghazi to Turkey and Syria to arm the Muslim Brotherhood in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. Why? Uh, because they wanted to sort of uh, focus in taking out Assad, the leader of Syria. When Russia comes to Assad's rescue, these Muslim Brotherhood types, armed and trained by America at a special training camp in Jordan, uh, they go into the areas of Iraq and Afghanistan, kill the Christians, and call themselves ISIS. So let me get this straight. It, Assad, the president of Syria, he's more of a secularist, he's not Muslim Brotherhood. But the Obama administration was funneling weapons to his enemies within basically allies of the Muslim Brotherhood out of Egypt to take on Assad. And now the Obama administration has been funding Islam against the seculars. Right. So the, uh, the, our government has now made its foreign policy supportive of the caliphate, supportive of the Islamic State. And so uh, it's the emails that have come out that Hillary knew exactly all the weapons that were being moved from Benghazi to Syria and Turkey to arm these fundamentalist Muslims. And then we let five Muslim Brotherhood type generals let go from Guantanamo Bay in exchange for a defector so they could go over and leave them. And then uh, we rushed through funding through Congress to train Muslims to fight Muslims. And then as soon as they get armed and trained, they join ISIS. We are either the most inept world superpower arming the bad guy or this is intentional. And then there was a 
Uh, former admiral saying we should be doing 500 airstrikes a day against ISIS. We're doing five and half of them are missing and find out that Susan Rice is micromanaging, choosing every target. And every now and then one misses and hits a Christian village. And we're denying any help to the Kurds who are willing to fight ISIS. And so there is no will on America's part to stop ISIS. Well, even though President Obama now, maybe he had a change of heart, we're dropping bombs on ISIS. But Senator McCain said last week, that it's kind of a half-hearted war, that we're not really fighting them that strongly. What, what should America's foreign policy be? It should be to stop funding ISIS, stop funneling arms. We, we are funneling arms to allies, and those allies, those Gulf states, are turning on and supporting ISIS. And so uh, this is a very serious situation. One other aspect of this is the large number of Muslims that are coming into America. Uh, for years, Hugo Chavez had been bringing Muslim terrorists over from Iran to Venezuela, teaching them Spanish, sending them north, so they've infiltrated the drug gangs. Become, been coming across the southern border and following the drug gang trade track routes all the, to all the major cities in America. And now we see the resettlement programs, where a large number of Syrian and Somalian Muslims are being brought to Cheyenne, Wyoming, Boise, Idaho, Detroit, Michigan, all these cities with no background checks. There's actually a website, resettlementwatch.org, uh, and they found out that there's a UN group that's in charge of this resettlement, mostly backed by the Saudis. They're working together with liberal denominations, and these denominations, once they take federal money, cannot present the gospel to them. And one of them is the Lutheran services and so forth. And so they're taking these Muslims, not presenting the gospel, bringing them over and planting them in innocent communities. And these communities are like having their, their uh, school system overwhelmed and their health care system and their Section 8 housing and overwhelmed. And the taxpayers have to pay for these Muslims coming in with no background checks so you can be confident that amongst them are those that want to set up the Islamic State. And every one of these small towns has a big new mosque going up where the Muslims gather and worship. 